0: I don't care what the score is at the end of the first quarter, it's at the end of the game that matters. And the beauty of training a dog is the game never ends. Alright, welcome back guys, another podcast. Um, been a little while since we recorded one, but uh, working on lots of different projects. Got finished up um, our, our little stint of late summer shows. We did Deer Fest a couple weeks ago. Uh, that was a, a really nice show for us. We, I don't think we've recorded since Deerfest, have we? Um, we did three seminars at Deerfest. Two of them were on shed training. One was on game recovery. Uh, Wonder Boy and the team have put that together. Are those live on YouTube? Uh, the first seminar we posted as a podcast, the audio version. That'd be the podcast before this one. Okay. And then. So we did seminar, an audio of it. Yep. And then okay. this first sem- seminar, one and two, are posted on YouTube. And number three that. is getting edited. Yep. So we're going to have, so if, if you're interested in that, that's, um, again, YouTube is a resource that we have tried to add to quite a bit, um, I'd say in the last 12 months, and um, we're, we're pretty continually adding stuff to it, right? Mm-hmm. So different playlists, different different spots there that are getting different um, love and attention from Wonderboy here. So play the. there's a playlist called Seminars you're going to see a couple more yet to come. We actually did a seminar that we did a seminar and what they call the demonstration. So two different unique um, opportunities to kind of share information live. That was this last weekend. We did another show called the Waterfall Hunters Expo. That was in Wisconsin. Um, Really enjoyed that too. Uh, There's multiple reasons, I guess, I like doing these shows. One of them is the chance to do some demonstration stuff. It's a little bit It's another way of sharing, um, sharing information, showing some of the things with the dogs and it gets a little deeper, obviously, um, from a hands-on perspective, Uh, the other reason I like them is because we get a chance to talk to a lot of people and, and we had a lot of really good conversations with people. The Wisconsin, this, this Hunter waterfall hunters expo had a lot of dogs. I mean, that was like a very dog friendly, um, area, obviously as, as gun dog work uh, is, a, is closely associated with waterfalling. So there was a lot of people that brought dogs. They had events there. They had, um, retreat, fastest retrieve contest. They had, um, the, the, was, was it Wisconsin duck and goose calling championship mm-hmm. was there. Um, they had a lot of, they had a lot of really cool stuff. A lot of vendors. Um, it was only a one day show, but, uh, it was nice. And so we are going to have We're going to have a few more videos that are going to come from that. I also think that we tried that audio out of the seminar, and I'm going to listen to it myself. I haven't had a chance to, and quite honestly, I didn't know it went live yet. But um, I don't listen to hardly any of our podcasts. Every once in a while I will if someone asks me a question about it, and I'll go back and listen to it to try to figure out what the the question really is about. But um, I listen to other podcasts, and I have heard some... Podcasts that were keynote speaker speaking engagements for certain people, and seminars, and different different opportunities where they took that information and reused it in a podcast. And I found it free to be pretty valuable. So we are going to try it. We'll see how that works. Obviously, you're missing the visual element, um, but I still think that there's some value in hearing some of the stuff we talk about. So that being said. Uh, had a lot of opportunity to talk to people and one of the this this is a today's episode we're going to talk uh, specifically about an, a message that I got through Facebook but which again thanks for all the patience with the Facebook stuff um, some people ha- have not been as patient as others but and that's okay I get it um, I'm, I'm going to be real transparent though and say I am I'm struggling to keep up um, there are there's a, just a lot of questions that come in through different all the different places that we get questions from and I'm doing my best to make sure I don't miss and I have had a people that uh, a few people that you know it goes a week or so and they send a message and some are really nice about it and say hey I know you're busy um, just want to make sure you got this because sometimes it does slip through the cracks. Other people are, oh, you know, you're too busy to answer. No, it's not that I don't want to answer. It's that I literally don't have enough time to answer everything very quickly. So some people are a week or two out, um, even further than that. It doesn't mean that uh, I don't care about your question. It just means I just don't have time. I haven't had time to get to it. I'm still, it's, trust me, it's on my list. I've got a system that isn't the best system, but it's a way for me to be able to not open up questions and leave them unread so that I don't miss them, even though it might be a while back. I actually answered four or five Facebook messages today that were pre August and it's almost the end of August. So again, thank you for your patience with it. This is a question that came actually pretty recently. Um, just, this was uh, last Wednesday, so it's maybe a little less than a week out, but I thought it was a good question because it t- touches on a theme that I've seen recently with questions, whether they be through DMs, whether they be through face-to-face. So I'm going to read it to you, and then I'm going to kind of talk about this one specifically, and then I'll probably touch a little bit more broadly on some of the other questions that are related to it. But So it says, good Good morning, Jeremy. I have an eight-week-old GSP pup that I've had for about three days. I've gone through the puppy DVD, listened to a number of puppy podcasts, I'm really struggling, as is my wife and kids, with what the routine looks like for a pup, specifically when he is out of the crate. He's in a small room, and when we're not in it, he wants to get out and jumps at the gate. How much time in the crate is too much? When on lead, he wants to bite at it. He also nips with the, on, at the kids. Are these things okay? Do we attempt to curb every single thing? You mentioned connecting the pup Connecting with the pup at this age and incorporating some training measures. I just can't get my head around what that looks like with myself, my wife, three kids, ages five through 11. Any help or feedback is extremely welcome. Also, when's the next Handler's Workshop? So let's talk about the next Handler's Workshop. We'll just knock out right away. We don't have dates for it yet. Um, It'll be in the spring of 2022, uh, likely in the month of May we always do our 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 earliest one in April, which is has a prerequisite that you would have to have taken a foundation one. That one I don't even post publicly. Um, I send that I send a message out to the people that have been to the previous workshops that are eligible to kind of go to it. The foundation workshops themselves likely to both be in May. We did one in late June this year. It got a little hot for us, so we're gonna try to fit them both into May. Um, don't have dates for that yet Facebook and Instagram is the first place you will see them when they do go live let's go back to his question though and the thing about it is is it it's a it's this puppy question and not I don't sense it so much in this one but I have sensed this feeling of like anxiety in some some of the messages that that I've been getting some people that are just really stressed out about their dog not doing this or that or a combination of this that and that the other thing and it's it really like this one isn't so much, but I just answered two or three today already that I'm going to refer to. And one of the biggest things I say in them is slow down and take a deep breath. Because I think one of the biggest issues is for a lot of people out there with puppies is we're expecting things to happen so quickly. You're expecting things to be caught on so quickly and and a lot of times the nice part about puppies are they are they're really sharp and they can catch on very quickly and then all of a sudden we expect that to be like check it off the list it's done and the reality is is it never is and so you're gonna regress so I'm putting this out there right now for Josh along with everyone else that has a puppy that is freaking out and I'm not saying Josh is freaking out but a lot of people are freaking out because oh my god this happened oh my god that happened oh my god I can't get it's just overwhelming Slow down and reassess the situation and recognize it's really not that big of a deal. Okay, so I know it's easy to say that, right? Yeah, it is easy for me to say it because I've done it a million times. And I, I, I can speak real freshly to it because I just sent Chief back to college with Mason. Chief's 15 weeks old. He actually came, Mason brought him back from school. Uh, he's going to Eau Claire and he brought him back on Saturday morning to the Waterfall Expo. Had Chief in the booth all day. And I can't I can't be more proud of how he and Mason did there. Um, I thought the dog did phenomenal, and so it's partially the dog, it's partially what Mason's done with him. It's probably partially what we did with him before he went back to school with Mason. He's only been with Mason for a week or two at school. Um, prior to that, he spent the first five or six weeks after he left his litter mate and and mom and was kind of weaned off, and and at that seven week range is when, when we took him and kind of started formal training with him. And when I say formal training, I just mean he wasn't allowed to just kind of do whatever he wanted to do. We really, we really dialed in on housebreaking. We really dialed in on crate training. We really dialed in on the idea of recall and some very, very simple fundamental things, steadying him up at his feeding times and creating a little bit of patience with them. So that is fresh in my mind. Now that dog is 15 weeks old this guy's dog is eight weeks old. So the beauty of this for Josh is, man, you get, it's easy. It's easier at eight weeks than it is at 15, especially if if, if you've done nothing for those seven, for that seven week window. It can be a little more challenging at the 15 week point. But the reason it's going so well for us and for Chief and for Mason at the 15 week mark is because very slowly and very gradually we've taken things as they come. And I say that I I totally mean it. Like, we've just taken it as it comes. We're not pushing. We're not forcing. We've tried a few things that didn't work. And when it didn't work, I just didn't do it anymore. And I recognized and realized the dog's not broken. He's just not ready. And it's a combination of he's not ready, and maybe it has to do with I haven't prepared him for it. Maybe I needed to take a few steps back and simplify things. And get a couple more things kind of buttoned up before I went on to whatever it was that we were struggling on retrieves in the front yard is a really good example. Bella, a dog that we recorded for Bella be good. The series, I could throw anything for her in any situation, the yard, the driveway, the whatever. I don't think there was ever a window with her that she didn't return back with objects in her mouth. In fact, I didn't even have to throw things for her. She just picked stuff up all the time. She picked up everything and carried it around and brought it to me very proudly. Like she was just the easiest dog to train to retrieve. So that was at 10 weeks old from day one. And she never went the opposite direction. it It was super simple. And I didn't have to do much to get it. It was there, but I could have screwed it up. And so I avoided creating undesirables. I didn't chase her with things in her mouth. I didn't holler at her when she picked something up that she wasn't supposed to have. I did some pretty simple things to foster that behavior and encourage her to come to me when she had something. I didn't let her pick stuff up and run around willy-nilly throughout the yard. When she did pick it up, I called her to me. We worked really hard on recall, and her recall got pretty good. And then when she'd pick stuff up and she'd carry it around, naturally, I'd call her to me and she'd bring it to me, and then I'd say how good she was, and I'd take it away from her. And I won't give it back necessarily if it was something I didn't want her to have. So we did a lot with her to make sure that the retrieve was easy. So that when we wanted to move forward with retrieving, we could. And we actually could with her very early on. But we didn't. I didn't do very many retrieves If you watch that series, I'd be surprised if I did 20 retrieves on camera, which all of the training was on camera. So I bet you I didn't do 20 retrieves in the first four weeks. I'd be surprised if I did it's a month. That means from eight weeks old, when I picked her up, it was 10 weeks old. So from 10 weeks old to 14 weeks old, we probably made less than 20, 25 retrieves tops and they were all pretty good. And that was good. That was plenty. Now with chief, can't do that. Chief went, chief wouldn't retrieve outside. Not a chance. He'd lay down with it. He'd run off with it. He did not want to bring it back to us. So right now chief has made probably, and he's 15 weeks old, He's made probably less than 20 retrieves. Two or three of them were outside and they were a fail. 14, 15, 16 of them have been inside in hallways and they've all been good. So what it told me was he's got it. He just doesn't have the ability, the maturity to do it in a wide open environment. And then I have to to take a look at that. Well, how come? Because he's 15 weeks old and he's just not ready to do it outside. So we're not going to do it outside. So I think, let's talk specifically on Josh's message here. He's got an eight week old puppy that he's had for three days, okay? So this message is real fresh. Just got the puppy. I'm gonna read it to you. Again, I have gone through the puppy DVD and listened to a number of puppy podcasts. I'm really struggling as my wife and kids as is my wife and kids, with what the routine looks like for a pup. Specifically when he's out of the crate. He's in a small room, and when we're not in there, he wants to get out, jumps at the gate. How much crate time is too much? When on a lead, he wants to bite at it. He's nippy with the kids. Are these things okay? Do we attempt to curb every single thing? You mentioned connecting with the pup at this age and incorporating some training measures. I just can't get my head around what it looks like with myself, my wife, three kids, ages five through 11. I don't know what it looks like, Josh. You've only had the dog for three days. I think what you're looking for is you're trying, like the way I'm reading this is you're looking for the routine. You want to know what the routine is. And you didn't find it in the DVD, and you didn't find it in the couple podcasts you listened to. That's not surprising. You'll never see the routine or the master schedule given by me because I don't have one. Every dog I train is a little different. Every puppy we bring in is a little different. Some puppies settle into their crates the first night. I got arrow here right now, the the Malinois shepherd mix we're back to trying to get her to settle into her crate. She's two years old. I remember when she first came here, uh, she belongs to Josh and Sarah Bomar. And the big, one of the biggest things they asked me to do when she came here the first time, which she came here the first time, she was maybe about six months old. One of the biggest things they asked me to do was, is there any way you could get her to go in the kennel and then be quiet? Yeah, we did. It took a while. It probably took us about a week. Before she would go in there and be quiet consistently. And then she was very good at it. She got very good at it. She was with us for about a month. She came back for another month, a few months later. No problem. Brought her back this time. She is not used to that crate. I don't think she's been in it. So I, I at my house, I need the dog to be, I, if I don't know the dog and have 100% trust in it, it's going to go in the crate because it, it, it's not going to get into trouble in the crate. So I think it's a, safe, it's a safe place for her there. But she doesn't like it. So she's barked. She's tried barking. She's tried howling. She's tried scratching. She's tried fussing. She's tried, she's tried just about everything. A lot of ignoring from me. A few firm corrections, verbal. That's enough. Ah, 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 that's enough. That's what it was yesterday. Nice, firm. I've had enough of this. It's the same thing, and I say that, and she heard me, and she just stood up from sleeping, and she came walking over, wagging her tail, like she goes, "Oh, you, you're talking to me again." It's the same. So that scenario last night with that dog was the same scenario I dealt with with my two and a half year old kid, who wants to play at bedtime. She doesn't want to go to bed. She wants to lay in that bed and talk and jabber and sing and pet my beard. And last night she, she's just screwing around. She does it with her mom all the time. I'm not usually the one to put her down. And and last night I was. And so I dealt with it. I talked with her about it. I said, hey, that's enough. We got to go to bed. Lights are out. Got to go to bed. And finally I said, that's enough. Lay down. I firmed up. I didn't have to beat my two and a half year old kid up, but I had to tell her firmly. And you know what she did? (sighs) She rolled over. She laid down. She grabbed my hand and held onto it and fell asleep. I had to, I had to get to the point where I just said, "Enough's enough. Go to bed." And I had to say the same thing with that dog. Now with these little puppies, I don't think you have to do that. I think it's better to let them figure it out on their own. Let them whine. Let them fuss. Don't give them any attention. You've only had it for three days, so don't tell me you've done that because you haven't. Because it can take me weeks. It can take me days. Usually it doesn't because I'm so consistent with it and I, I am so much more patient with it that I just put earplugs in and I let the dog cry and whine until they fall asleep. And after a couple days of that, they they quickly realize, you know what? It's not so bad in here. I think you can do things to set them up to help them out. I think you can cover up their kennels. I think you put your crates in certain rooms that aren't distracting. I think you can do stuff like that. I know you asked a question in here. How much time is too much in the kennel? I would say when Chief was first seven weeks old I would say for the first two weeks from about seven weeks to nine weeks I would say he was in his kennel 85% of the day 15% of the day was me letting him out to go to the bathroom and then walking him around the house maybe once or twice and then he was so tired he shut down anyway and I'd bring him back in and I'd put him in the crate and I'd let him fall asleep because he's so do you know how much energy it takes for a seven week old an eight week old a nine week old puppy to grow just to literally grow takes a lot of energy you, you can't you don't have to wear out little puppies walking them around the house twice is more than more physical activity than they need for the next couple hours you make sure that they're not going to go to the bathroom you give them a little bit of exercise by just follow. and you know what there's your training opportunity with the seven-week-old puppy. Walk around the house and call them to you. It's recall. They don't want to be left alone. There's not a puppy out there that says, I'll, "I'm good. I'm confident. I'm bold. I'll go over here by myself." I'm seven weeks old. Make a little noise. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Peep on that whistle. Peep, 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 and walk away from them and watch them follow you. And when they come to you, get down and tell them how good they are. Now you're practicing recall. So not only is your exercise getting accomplished, not only are you getting them stimulated in the idea of new environments, you're also getting recall. And and you're tiring them out, And then you bring them back and you put them in the kennel. If you put them in that room and you give them all this opportunity to move around, first off, they're gonna have accidents because you're not gonna be able to watch them. And they might not make any noise. They might go over and pee in the corner, poop in the corner, because that's not where they sleep. So you're setting them up to fail. It, the dog that can come over to the door and jump up on the gate, and pretty soon they become real acrobatic and they climb right over the gates. And so you've created Houdini. You've created the dog that likes, that pulls off these amazing feats. You can't figure out how they can do it until you stand there and you peek around the corner and you watch. And they stick a little little claw in here and a little paw in here. And the next thing you know, they're scaling the wall. I I've seen dogs escape things I just didn't think a dog could get out of so you're creating this little problem solver to solve these problems that they have and it's too much freedom so the the idea of the crate is get them in that crate so that they just learn to settle in and stay out of trouble now The other thing that you bring up here is the idea of it's you, it's your wife, and it's three kids. And I'm totally on board with the idea of consistency. So first off, you've only had the dog for three days, so I don't know what that routine is and I don't know that you do either. You're in the process of discovery. You're trying to figure out how how long does it take for you to poop and pee after I feed and water you? What does it sound like when you have to go to the bathroom and you cry versus, when you just want to fuss and moan to get out of the kennel. Because those are, they're they're different. They're, they're, They're definitely different. I can tell when the dog has to go. Now, at eight weeks old, I can't expect the dog to hold it. So every time they whine, I let them out. Until I start to realize when I let them out, they don't have to go to the bathroom. Then I call their bluff and I let them whine it out. I think, I think at three days in, what I want to say to you is, Enjoy every moment of these next couple weeks. Maximize those opportunities when the puppies follow you around. The idea of the puppy nipping and biting at those little kids is very simple. Don't let the kids get by the little puppy where the puppy can nip and bite them. How is it happening? A lot of times that little puppy is running around on the ground and those kids go down and kneel down on it, lay down by it. Don't do that. Three, five and 11 are great ages. Or I'm. you are not even three, five, and eleven. You got five through eleven. Three kids the age is five through eleven. So your youngest is five. Your youngest will understand direction, and what you have to say. We like like Chief this weekend at fifteen weeks old, two or three times on the on the bed. Uh, it's a little early for you to place train. I think you could place train, um, but I wouldn't put place train on you right now because I think you're trying to tackle four or five things at once, and I think you need to tackle one thing at once. And so that's another point I'm going to make is we're trying to do too many things with these dogs at once and none of them are getting done well. And I'm not just saying you, Josh, I'm saying a lot of the questions that I'm hearing about puppies are, I'm doing this, I'm doing that, we're doing this, we're doing that. We're sometimes doing this. We're pretty good at that. We're okay at this. We're okay at that. And I'm going, you got about seven projects going and they're all about 25% complete. And you're wondering why you can't get onto that eighth project when all seven projects are all linked together and necessary for one prior to it to be completed before you can move to the next. So you got seven or eight things going that are half-assed and you're getting a lot of half-assed results. Well, it's because you have a bunch of unfinished business. Instead of working on seven or eight things at a time, work on one thing and get it really good, get really good results from it. Then take a step and add distractions or add levels of challenge to that and make it 100% in a more challenging situation. And maybe when you're ready, you're going to take that piece and you're going to link it to a new skill. And it's not going to be very good. So you're going to be satisfied with minimal results to start out, but then you're going to work on getting those better and that you're going to build that up a little bit until that gets good. Not only good, great. And then from there, You move locations and you do it again and then maybe you add something to it. You see this rhythm that we're going, we're starting with one thing and we're getting really good at it. So eight weeks old, puppy comes home, 100% my focus is housebreaking. Housebreaking and crate training kind of go one one hand in hand. At the same time, I can go outside and I can do that recall stuff. I the the what I'm really glad I didn't read about this was well we're not making retrieves yet I, the, I just got done with one that the guy was doing all the all of the above and I said just stop all this stuff and you know what it was great because I got a message back from the guy I'm gonna read it to you there was another guy that I that sent me this question and there was all sorts of stuff it was recall it was steadiness it was retrieving it was blood trailing it was uh, antler training it was. All these different things and I won't go I'm going back on it right now to look and it was the puppy was five and a half months old. And there was those, those now cause what I'm seeing is is this this question that we started out with, the puppy's eight weeks old. Eight weeks and three days. This one's five and a half months old. That's only twenty two months. Like that's not that far away. And look how quickly this will escalate if we don't nip it and, and get control of it right from the start. That's why I love the idea of from the beginning, it's nice because there aren't a lot of things to be working on. And and I think part of the issue that I, part of the reason I see a lot of these questions come up like this is because I do see so much stuff on social media where we're getting these little puppies to do some amazing things. A lot of, a lot of it has to do heavily with, with, real, real positive treat training stuff. I'm not going to bag on treat trainers. I don't do it. Um, I use a little bit of kibble for recall at times. Minimal, fade it out pretty quickly. I use a little bit of kibble sometimes for sit. Minimal, phase it out right away. But what's happening is is we're seeing dogs steady. We're seeing dogs heal. We're seeing dogs do all these things at 10 weeks old, 12 weeks old, 15 weeks old. And they're doing it. And the, and the, the videos you're seeing are look at my 12 week old puppy healing off lead and people are watching that and going, I want that so bad. And my, my reply to that is take the food away and let me see the dog heal off lead because I get it. You're shaping behavior, but what you're doing for some is making people think that that's off lead heel work and it's not, and it's not realistic to think that they will at 12 weeks old do it. Are, do they look like they're doing it? Yes. Are they really doing it? No. So don't take, if that is what's motivating you, inspiring you, driving you, creating the stress in your life, essentially, because you need to be there. Your dog is 12 weeks old and you need to be doing that. Absolutely not. Mine don't. Chief doesn't do any of that stuff. And guess what? Chief is going to be just fine. And the reason I say that and know it is because I've done it enough. To show to be very very confident to say, I don't care what the score is at the end of the first quarter. We talked about this at the end of one of the seminars this weekend at the Waterfall Hunting Expo because that's where I saw so many people that were just struggling with these young 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 dogs. Every dog at the at the demonstration was under two years old. When when I asked you know how old are your dogs in the crowd, and there's 50 people there and there's 20 different dogs and there wasn't one that was over two years old. And I would say most of them are under a year, actually. And we started talking about the idea of why are we putting so much stress on ourselves to get these dogs ready for stuff that literally does not have to get done that early, but we want it done that early. And how come? Because John at the gun club said, you should be doing this. Your dog's 10 months old. You should have intro to gunfire done. You're six months old. You should be doing this. You got a hunt test next week. You should be doing that. It's September 1st. It's early goose season. You got to have them retrieving geese. You don't have to do anything. I don't care what the score is at the end of the first quarter. It's at the end of the game that matters. And the beauty of training a dog is the game never ends. So if you're leaps and bounds ahead of me with a 15 week old puppy versus where I'm at with a 15 week old puppy, Good. I'm glad you're doing, I'm glad you're finding success. I have zero stress in my life about it regarding the dog I'm training at 15 weeks old that just isn't as far as yours. Because in the end, I'm quite certain when it really matters, when it comes to actually doing stuff with these dogs, I'll be right there. And a lot of times I find that I'm actually maybe a little further out. Maybe my end end goals get a little bit further out than some other people's. And it's because I think partially because I don't do so much shit in the beginning. We muddy it up, especially if you're not necessarily a real, real seasoned trainer. Like a lot of these, a lot of these people that I'm talking with, it's their first dog. It's their second dog. It's their third dog. You know how many, I don't know how many dogs the average person owns in a lifetime, but if you divide it out by 10 years, it's probably not a lot more than three or four or five dogs in a lifetime. So if your experience, and it's not a knock on you, it's like, that's, that's normal. If your experience isn't a whole bunch of dogs, to try to jam all that stuff down your throat the first year, or the first few weeks, or the first few days, I'm telling you right now, it's nowhere near as much fun as it should be. So with Josh, with an eight week old puppy, I'm going to say, enjoy the puppy. Now here's the problem. When I say, I'm the biggest fan of letting people with people saying, let puppies be puppies. What I don't like about that is everyone's definition of letting a puppy be a puppy is different. My definition of letting a puppy be a puppy is not free for all is not let, let them just run wild. Letting them be a puppy is letting them be a puppy under nice control, good discipline. Here's a drill for you. Hold the puppy in your arms where it can't nip or chew at anything and just hang on to it until it settles in and doesn't fuss. It's kind of fun. You get to hold your puppy. It's not fun if they fuss and wiggle and you set them down because then they get what they want and the next time they fuss and wiggle even more. This is a drill that with a five-year-old, All the way up to an 11 year old kid can be done. But you should do it first and then your wife should do it. And then when you guys do that, you'll be establishing leadership with the puppy. And then when you guys get good at it and the puppy starts to submit to that leadership, then the 11 year old can do it. But you got to help the 11 year old. They're gonna have to hold it the right way. If they hold it the wrong way, the dog will get at stuff. it will start nibbling on your hands, it will start nibbling on your ears, your hair, your nose, all this stuff. So you got to hold them the right way. Here's another good one. Flip them upside down, hold them on their back. I did this with Chief for, I don't know, countless times the first couple weeks. I'd hold him on his back. He'd just lay on his back. And when he struggled and fought to get upright, I'd put a little bit of pressure on him, meaning I'd squeeze him a little bit. I'd hold him a little tighter. He couldn't wiggle out of it. And as soon as he settled down, I'd release that pressure. I'd loosen up my grip a little bit. And so I'm holding him literally in my arms like a little baby and on his back and when he's on his back he's completely vulnerable and so by him being on his back and telling me I'm okay with this I'll lay on my back he's telling me you're my boss you're the leader that's a drill we could do it at night watching tv if we watch tv we don't watch tv but we could do it at walking around the house we could do it at different times it's a good training drill Here's one that we can't do with chief. And maybe your dog doesn't, maybe yours doesn't. But this is why I say there's no black and white rules. There's no like set schedule. There is no one, two, three, four, five, six, seven list of things you have to do with the puppy. Here's one that chief did that mo- I've not had a dog do this before. Every time chief came up to us, as soon as you reached down to pet him and start petting him, he'd like to lay on his back. He'd like to lay down, roll over on the ground. Well, you're probably thinking, yeah, you taught him to do that. You did. Yeah, you do it in my arms, but I don't want you doing it on the ground. He completely was doing it on his own. I do not want you laying on the ground. You're rolling over. You're quitting on me is what he's doing. And what, he's, what was amazing was every time he did it around a stranger, what was the reaction? Ah, And they start rubbing his belly. He liked it. Felt good. What I don't want is a dog to come back to me and quit. So I refused, and I told people immediately, do not pet his belly when he does that. He's got to sit up. He's got to come to you. He's got to sit up nicely, and then he gets affection. So we did a drill with him. Come to me and sit. And as soon as he flops over on his back and lays there for his belly to get scratched, I stood up, I pulled away from him, and I said, nope, come here, come on. And he looked at me, and he'd wag his tail, and he'd go, come on, just rub my belly. And I'd say, no, I'm not doing it. I'd say, come on, here. And all of a sudden, he'd couldn't stand it anymore. He'd wiggle himself back up, he'd get upright, he'd take a step or two over and he'd sit down. And when he sat down, I I'd, I'd pause just a split second. Make sure that that was the behavior he was going to do. He's not flopping on me. I always said he was flopping. He sits up, I pet him. You flop, I stop petting. You sit there nicely, you'll get petted. Why am I doing that? Because pretty soon when he's making retrieves, he's going to come into me and if he gets in this habit of get close to dad and roll over and and quit. Flop, he'll do it then too, and I don't want that. So I'm looking ahead at what I'm going to do with this dog. When this dog comes into me, I want him to sit nicely. I'd like him to sit right in front of me, sit there and look up at me. It's going to make my life a whole lot easier when I do whole conditioning. So we're going to start it today. He's months and months and months away from whole conditioning, but we'll start shaping a desirable behavior that will lead to an easier process down the road. So that could be in the book for somebody who has a dog that flops. But the other people that don't have dogs that flop, it will not make any sense to. So I don't know what Josh's dog does. There's, I'm sure there's quirks. I'm sure there's things. That nipping and biting on the kids, I'll fix it in one second. I'll pick the puppy up by the scruff of the neck and I'll say, That's enough. Enough. I set the puppy down and I guarantee you he's not coming to nip at me again. As long as I do it firm and confident. Don't have to beat puppies up. But there is, a, there is a level of respect that the dog has to have for me and they're going to test and they're going to continually test as they get a little bit older. And I have to recognize that and not hold it against them. I say, hey, you went too far. That's enough. And when they do it right, I tell them how good they are. So, Josh, slow down. One thing at a time. Simplify everything you're doing. Find a little bit of success and build off of it. And most importantly, enjoy this puppy right now. I You said something at the end about how I mentioned something about connecting with that dog. When I say connecting with the pup at this age incorporating training measures, I mean just that. Like you should fall in love with that dog right now and that dog should fall in love with you. And right now, your message and a lot of the other messages and the conversations I've been having with people that have these little puppies that are running into these struggles early on It's not a message of, I'm falling in love with you. It's, I don't know how long we can stand this. That makes for a very difficult relationship and environment to work in. Can't have that. So, take a deep breath. Fix one thing at a time. Build off of that. I hope this helps, Josh. I hope it helps some of you guys. It's just, it's a real common theme that I'm hearing. And I think... It's a, I'm a little bit of a broken record when it comes to responding to some of the questions, and it's, it's simplify it. Don't put so many things on your plate at once. All of them are connected. And you all, And I think we, we start to realize that. We start to understand how, how these things are linked together. What we don't recognize is the fact that having one or two days of success with something doesn't mean that they've got it because you got to think about what these dogs are. They're really like little kids. If my, if Lillian, who's two and a half years old happens to, if I happen, I mean, she knows her numbers, like most, like she can count up to, I don't know, into the twenties pretty easily. And if I happen to say to her, Lillian, what's two plus two? And she, I mean, she's got a one in 25 chance of being right. Cause she knows probably 25 numbers. If I say what's two plus two, and she happens to say four, I am not going to check that off the list and say she knows addition. It just happens she was right and good for her. And I'll tell her, oh my God, you're so smart. And I'll make her feel confident and I'll make her realize, man, dad really thinks I'm a sharp kid and I know my numbers and perfect. But I'm not going to then go, well, we don't have to work on math anymore. I think we'll just skip that. We'll go to algebra. She's got it. Because what ends up happening is, as soon as we start trying stuff and she starts failing at it miserably, which she will because I've gone way too far, way too fast. Then all of a sudden I get frustrated with her. I get to the point where I'm at my wits end. I'm not sure what to do with her. No, I know what to do. It's get my head out of my ass and realize that I am not, she's not ready for this and it's not her fault. She's two and a half years old. So with these puppies, Work at taking small steps for the next 10 months instead of the next 10 weeks. And you'll realize, I think, how the lack of that pressure on yourself helps accelerate things greatly. Hope it helps, guys. Keep me posted on things. Keep Keep the questions coming. Keep the patience up when it comes to responses from me. I appreciate all your support. Uh, we'll continue to be putting out different pods. We've got a couple different ideas of ways we're going to be doing some pods. We've got some other things that uh, a lot of other things that are in the works right now too. So uh, stay posted for that. If you would do me a favor, I had a great response. I did. I got a little frustrated. I had a guy uh, give me give us a one star on our rating. Oh man, I was devastated by it, quite honestly. But guy gave us a wh- one star because I told him that I I said in the podcast that I'm not a kennel and I, I followed it up with but i do have an occasional breeding. Oh, one star. So it just kind of bugged me. But I would have to you a one star too. You would have, huh? You well, thanks, Ben. <laughs> uh, the the little it's weird how little things like that bug me. I had to say, you know what? For the one star rating there, there was 254 that were fives and i loved them and i thank you for them and i would appreciate it if you would continue to do that. I don't think you realize for us, how important that is, because what it's doing is, is it's helping with our engagement and the ability to be able to get in the front of other people. So the different podcast places that you're listening to these will recommend based on certain things. And it has to do with the topics and the things that you're talking about and the category that you're in and reviews and the interaction from the the people that listen to it. So when you, when you help us out with reviews, when you leave us a review, when you give us a rating, it really does mean the world to us. And I appreciate it more than you know. So if you're willing to do it, take that extra 15, 30 seconds to do it. And uh, I'm in debt to you for it. So if I ask you know, I don't ask a lot, but that's one thing I am gonna ask. Let's knock out this guy's one star. Uh, I appreciate your support. We'll continue to do these. Good luck in your training.